Welcome to episode 56 of Girl Take the Lead, where each week we explore womanhood and leadership. And I'm your host, Yo Canny. With Valentine's Day around the corner, I had the question uh, what might be the relationship to love and kindness to leadership? So when I started to look at this question, I thought it might be a lighthearted effort kind of like the candy hearts or valentines we send. But as I dug into it, I was struck by the depth the exploration of this question took. So we'll begin by defining what love and kindness are and what gets in the way based on what Brene Brown and Jay Shetty have to say on the subject. So yes, I brought in the big guns and I reference all of Brene Brown's books and Jay Shetty's newest Eight Rules of Love. They offer us some good stuff as we look at the things that can limit us. We'll dig a little deeper at perfectionism. Figured we might all relate to that pesky little (laughs) driver. (laughs) We'll also end by looking at the question, how do we give love? And I promise to leave you inspired and with a feeling of connection. Around 19 minutes to 23 minutes, close to 24 minutes, I recount a passage from Braving the Wilderness by Brene Brown, where she talks about the Sandy Hook elementary trauma. So I wanted to just alert you to that, that if you're sensitive to that, you might want to skip it. Okay, thanks. So here we go. Enjoy the listen. So let's jump right in and look at Brene Brown's Atlas of the Heart and places we go when the heart is open. And she says, love is an emotion that we're capable of feeling in many different contexts, from intimate partner relationships and family bonds to friends and pets. And I would add with co-workers. So there you go. I thought, Okay, good basis here, Um, step one in looking at leadership. And she also added to the definition, we cultivate love when we allow our most vulnerable and powerful selves to be deeply seen and known, and when we honor the spiritual connection that grows from that offering with trust, respect, and kindness. So, Let's also hear about kindness from Jay Shetty, and he says... Kindness to me is any thought, action, or word that you can do or take to make someone's day. Mm -hmm. And it could be tiny or it could be huge. So Brene Brown also goes on to say that love is not something we give or get. It is something that we nurture and grow, a connection that can be cultivated between two people only when it exists within each of them. We can love others only as much as we love ourselves. And she says, shame, blame, disrespect, betrayal, and the withholding of affection, and I would add perfectionism to that, damage the roots from which love grows. 
Love can survive these injuries only if they're acknowledged, healed, and rare. So in her book, also I looked at uh, Dare to Lead. And what was interesting in there was that she definitely looks at to love is to be vulnerable, as she said in her definition. And on page 65 of the Air Force Manual, written in 1948, and it's a military document, which talks about leadership with mercy, kindness, belonging, and love. And she brings forward a practice of integration in this book, which is strong back, soft front, wild heart, and it was given to her by her teacher. She says, all too often, our so-called strength comes from fear, not love. Instead of having a strong back, many of us have a defended front shielding, a weak spine. In other words, we walk around brittle and defensive, trying to conceal our lack of confidence. If we strengthen our backs, metaphorically speaking, and develop a spine that's flexible yet sturdy, then we can risk having a strong spine that's soft and open. Hmm. So how can we give and accept care with strong back, soft front compassion, moving past fear into a place of genuine tenderness? And she says, I believe it comes about when we can be truly transparent, seeing the world clearly, and letting the world see into us. For her, that strong back was grounded confidence and boundaries. The soft front is staying vulnerable and curious. The mark of a wild heart is living out those paradoxes in our lives and not giving into the, into either. It's showing up in our vulnerability and our courage and above all else, being both fierce and kind. So let's also look some of the tips that she gives us in that particular book about vulnerability and being able to practice vulnerability. And she says, there's the old saying, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. She says, one tip is to share your personal story. Don't leave it checked at the door or compartmentalized into your personal versus professional self. (laughs) Gosh, (laughs) I did that so much. I really thought that there was a particular way I needed to be and it, and it wasn't much later in my career that I began to see, heck no, let's just be yo. Let's forget about this thing I'm supposed to be. She says that by sharing my story and my why for leading, I helped my staff understand my purpose, passion, and commitment to courage. It also gives others permission to practice vulnerability and to be brave in sharing and owning their life journey. I thought that in particular was such a great thing to really look at in terms of vulnerability. You know, and there's things that I can say that I've seen happen, like senior leaders sharing their performance evaluations and sharing what they're working on and uh, with their teams so that their teams can support them as they support the team. I think that's terrific. I really do. It's not something that we need to look at as a form of weakness. She also makes the point, quote, 
When I lack self-awareness as a leader, and when I'm not connected with the intentions driving my thoughts, feelings, and actions, I limit the perspective and insights that I can share with the people I lead. Cool, huh? And then her tip there was that you could use journaling and seeking feedback from others. And by doing that, she says, I've been able to grow and refine my leadership skills in a way that is more responsive to my staff, students, and community. Spending time in quiet reflection has become part of my weekly practice. So even Brene Brown is working on this. Everybody has, has things that they're working on. And it's so great to get the feedback. I know that so many of us, I know I uh, just petrified the minute I hear, oh, you need to get feedback. (laughs) But the more that we get feedback, obviously, the better we can be. Also looked at her book, The Gifts of Imperfection. In her introduction to this book, she wrote, I now see how owning our story and loving ourselves through that process is the bravest thing that we will ever do. I now see that cultivating a wholehearted life is not like trying to reach a destination. It's like walking toward a star in the sky. We never fully arrive, but we certainly know that we're headed in the right direction. And she says, ends with, I now see how gifts like courage, compassion, and connection only work when they are exercised every day. So let's take a look at that perfectionism. um, Because in the gifts of imperfection, she talks a lot about perfectionism as being self-destructive. She says quite openly that she's recovering one herself. And she states that to overcome perfectionism, we need to be able to acknowledge our vulnerabilities to the universal experiences of shame judgment and blame develop shame resilience and practice self-compassion and she goes on to say that there are three elements of self-compassion self-kindness which is being warm and understanding toward ourselves when we suffer fail or feel inadequate rather than ignoring our pain or flagellating ourselves with self-criticism There's common humanity, which recognizes the suffering and feelings of personal inadequacy are part of shared human experiences. Something we will all go through rather than something that happens to me alone. And mindfulness. Mindfulness is taking a balanced approach to negative emotions so that feelings are neither suppressed nor exaggerated. She offers one tip here that you can take a self-compassion scale and I'll put the link in that in the show notes and it's called Dr. Neff's self-compassion scale. I took it. I think it was kind of cool to take and it gives you some feedback on where you might be and there's all these included in that are some self-compassion guided practices and exercises and it's totally free. That's something you might want to check out. Jay Shetty offers this daily kindness and um, thought you might like to hear that as well. Also, I looked at Jay Shetty again as another author who, <laughs> who brings us great insights. 
And in his book, Think Like a Monk, which we featured in our episodes before, he makes the point that kindness and gratitude are symbiotic, which this means that if you're ever done anything for someone else's benefit, you can easily recognize the effort and energy someone else gives to you. That is to say, your own acts of kindness teach you that it takes to be kind, so your own kindness enables you to feel truly grateful. Kindness teaches gratitude. Kindness and the gratitude that follows has a ripple effect. To keep the ego in check and not get lost in our own fantasies of greatness, when a monk is praised, we detach, remembering that whatever we are able to give was never ours to begin with. To receive gratitude with humility, start by thanking the people for noticing. Appreciate their attention and their intention. Look for a good quality in that other person and return the compliment. And he offers this gratitude visualization, which are to think of three things others have given you. Perhaps one, a small kindness, two, a gift that mattered, or three, something that makes every day a little better. And he says, close your eyes. Take yourself back to the place and time to one of these acts and relive how it felt, the sights, scents, and sounds. Re-experience with awe and experience those feelings in a deeper way. And after this visualization, he says, you'll recognize that small things are happening for you. Don't overlook them or take them for granted. And then he says, next, take a moment to feel a sense of being cared for, thought of, and loved. This should boost our self-esteem and self-confidence. Yay! (laughs) But he reminds us that feeling great is not the end goal. That really what we want are the feelings that uh, to reciprocate with love by giving back to those who have given to us. So, I also looked at this little book called Kindness Mindset in Leadership. Discover Why Kindness Matters for Effectiveness in Leadership by Ruby Taylor. And one interesting point she makes is that the days of being a tough leader are over. This style of leadership is too risky and close to aggressive harassment and bullying of employees. This becomes an institutional risk to allow leaders to lead in this fashion. And I always thought when I started that I needed to be tough. And again, I definitely found my way through that over the years. But it was good to kind of read this and be reminded that leaders, in order to to look at this, they need to see that by exhibiting kindness, is not perceived as being weak and that they won't be exploited for their weakness. The leader must be careful that others do not practice taking authority over them as this is typically what others could do. They also may perceive them as boring and not smart enough for the job. People can sometimes perceive that you are okay with anything and you get dumped with extra work because you are nice and will not say no. In all cases, there must be a balance to prevent being taken advantage of. Kindness is standing your ground and not being manipulated. 
thought that was pretty cool. And it kind of led me along to think about the point of kindness being a journey and to meet people where they are with kindness and respect and that we need to support that kind of culture and keep an understanding that many people are suffering at any time. So last, when I mentioned that we'd look at Jay Shetty's new book, Eight Rules of Love, he offers us rule three, which is before you think it, feel it, or say it, he writes, after we've overcome a challenge together, we grow. We learn to tolerate, adjust, and adapt. The growth that we do together builds into trust. Trust begins with ourselves. We need to be trustworthy. This means aligning what we think, say, and do. When we think something, we express it, and then we carry through with the idea. This means we can trust ourselves. So he talks about building daily trust, and the book is rich with ideas and exercises. One example is to notice and recognize when someone follows through on a promise. And we should do this daily. The more you reward it, the more they'll repeat it. And we build their trust in us the same way, by showing up and making progress. There was a Chinese proverb he had in the book that advises, if you want happiness for an hour, take a nap. If you want happiness for a day, go fishing. If you want happiness for a year, inherit a fortune. If you want happiness for a lifetime, help someone else. And I thought this was a great example, a video that he had done that you might like. Here you go. The story goes that as Gandhi stepped aboard a train one day, one of his shoes slipped off and landed on the track. He was unable to retrieve it as the train was moving. To the amazement of his companions, Gandhi calmly took off his other shoe and threw it back along the track to land close to the first shoe. Asked by a fellow passenger why he did that, Gandhi smiled. The poor man who finds the shoes lying on the track will now have a pair he can use. What will one shoe be of use to me? What could you give away this week that could benefit someone else? What can you be more grateful for today that others may not have? And how can your one random act of kindness create a domino effect across the world? That's all it takes. When will you start doing something for nothing? So good question, huh? And I also thought another good question was, so how do we give love? And, oh my gosh, you guys, I found this part in Braving the Wilderness about holding hands with strangers. And the title of the section is called We Choose Love. And I'd like to read this to you because I think it's, it's super inspiring and really brings home the point that there are all kinds of ways we can give love. So here we go. Our kids were first graders. Their kids were first graders. 
The horror, the pain, and fear was unfathomable. We gathered for no reason than to be with one another. We didn't come together to make sense of what had happened in that school so far away from our own because we never, ever wanted it to make sense. We sat crying in silence, our small group of neighborhood mothers, some friends and some strangers, who had felt compelled to be together. It was on December 15th, 2012, the day after 20-year-old Adam Lanza fatally shot 20 children between 6 and 7 years old, as well as 6 adult staff members at Sandy Hook Elementary School in Newtown, Connecticut. I remember thinking, maybe if all the mothers in the world crawled on their hands and knees toward those parents in Newtown, we could take some of the pain away. We could spread their pain across all our hearts. I would do it. Can't we find a way to hold some of it for them? I'll take my share, even if it adds sadness to all my days. My friends and I didn't rush to start a fund that day. We didn't storm the principal's office at our kids' school asking for increased security measures. We didn't call politicians or post on Facebook. We would do all that in the days to come. But the day right after the shooting, we just sat together with nothing but the sound of occasional weeping cutting through the silence, leaning in to our shared pain and fear comforted us. Being alone in the midst of a widely reported trauma, watching endless hours of 24-hour news, or reading countless articles on the internet, is the quickest way for anxiety and fear to tiptoe into our heart and plant their roots of secondary trauma. That day after the mass killing, I chose to cry with my friends. Then I headed to church to cry with strangers. I couldn't have known then that in 2017, I would be at a fundraiser for the Resiliency Center of Newtown and spend time sitting with a group of parents whose children were killed at Sandy Hook. What I've learned through my work and what I heard that night in Newtown makes one thing clear. Not enough of us know how to sit in pain with others. Worse, our discomfort shows up in ways that can hurt people and reinforce their own isolation. I have started to believe that crying with strangers in person could save the world. Today, there's a sign that welcomes you to Newtown. We are Sandy Hook. We choose love. That day, when I sat in a room with other mothers from my neighborhood and cried, I wasn't sure what we were doing or why. Today, I'm pretty sure we were choosing love in our own small way. So I don't know about you, but I needed a moment to recover from reading that. That was just such an incredible passage. And again, that's from Braving the Wilderness by Brene Brown on page 126. Jay Shetty offered this, which I also thought was good, 
What if we all entered a room and asked ourselves, how can I love everyone here today? You tell yourself, I'm just going to give love. Wouldn't that be an amazing way just for us all to start our day and guide us through it? I can also relate to the ending paragraph of his book, and it goes, I began this book by talking about how we love a flower. We water it every day. Now you are the one doing the planting, planting seeds for others, giving fruits to others, providing shade for others. You can seek love your whole life and never find it, or you can give love your whole life and experience joy. Experience it, practice it, and create it instead of waiting for it to find you. The more you do this, the more you will experience the depths of love from different people throughout every single day for the rest of your life. And on that note, my friends, we'll end today's episode. Thank you for being here, and happy Valentine's Day. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there's just too little of. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. And no, not just for some. couldn't resist. I knew we needed a good song to take us out. So I hope you enjoyed it and that you sang along for a moment. Uh, That's the Jackie DeShannon version uh, released in 1965 with lyrics by Hal David and score by Burt Backrack. So I hope you enjoyed that and our episode. We appreciate you being here very much. And if you like this episode, please leave us a comment wherever you listen to your podcast. Join our public Facebook group, Girl Take the Lead, or visit our website, girltaketheleadpod.com. You can also email me at yo at yocanny.com, especially if you do the self-compassion scale. Let me know how you did. Happy to share my numbers with you too. (laughs) Definitely have things to work on. And in the show notes, I'll have a link to the resources like that scale I mentioned in the episode and also to some of the video that I had recorded from Jay Shetty. Next week, we'll be talking about authenticity with the Gen Zer. Have you heard of Lashgate? Hmm. If not, you'll want to listen so you're in the know. Thanks for being here and talk to you soon. Bye. (laughs) 